Welcome to the Concord Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Delgado. I'm here with our youth and family pastor, Kevin Cooley. And in this episode, we interview Jeff Whitaker. Yeah, Jeff had a really unique story. Uh, I think our listeners will benefit greatly from hearing what he has to say. You know, Navy SEAL, has some wrestling background, uh, moved from the Navy SEAL phase of his life into chaplaincy. And just to hear Jeff talk about, uh, even from his childhood and then through those things, just how God was working in all of that and brought him through that and how he's continuing to use that. And then also, Jeff speaks to his heart for relationships within the church, for growing them. And that was both encouraging and challenging to me. So I think people will benefit greatly from what Jeff has to say to us. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hear some stories. So let's just start hearing a little bit how you grew up and how you came to know Christ. Well, I grew up in the mountains of western North Carolina, God's country as we call it. And, uh, I had the great fortune to come to Christ at a young age. It was June 8th of 1985, so I was eight years old. So I've been walking with the Lord and growing in my relationship with God for a long time. I did not grow up in a strong Christian home. It was one of those, mom and dad thought it was important for me and my sister to to go to church, so took us to church and more often dropped us off, type of deal. However, fortunately, you know, God saw fit to use that to bring me to Christ at a young age. It was at uh, vacation Bible, Bible school, and let's see. Summertime, June, I was eight. Tamatla Baptist Church was my home church growing up in uh, Murphy, North Carolina. So, grew up, you know, played everything, especially wrestled and went on to wrestle in college. Um, so, I'm a hillbilly. Uh, <laughs> I went off to Georgia Tech and got all educated, but if you want to talk hunting and, and woods, uh, I speak that language. Cool. Yeah, pretty well as well. So, yeah, right on. That's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, you know your time serving as a Navy SEAL. Well, I spent five years as a SEAL team officer. How did I enter the military? Well, I wasn't getting paid to wrestle, and I was a pretty good student, so I wanted to go to engineering school, and nothing else was looking to pay the bills, so I accepted an ROTC scholarship. So I went to Georgia Tech on a Naval ROTC scholarship. And got to be part of a campus ministry there, and which was super cool because I was there when it was like six dudes in a in a dorm. You know, now it's like a three-story building sending folks all over the world. I am not. I'm not saying this in in any like taking credit for it. it was a God happened to have me in the right place of uh, you know something being birthed that's now like a you know, a major ministry on that campus, Campus Crusade for Christ. So you were up, up oh. there when that ministry took hold on, on campus there? When yeah, it, I was there when it started. Okay. You know, it was like just, you know. A, That's a cool thing. Well, it was like a Bible study with, you know, a leader and like six or seven people. And hmm. now yeah. years later, it's this, you know, like three-story building with, you know, hundreds of folks and now sending missionaries all over the world and, uh, it's kind of cool when you yeah, it's cool. get to be part of some you know, ministry that uh, you were kind of there when it started. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, really so, cool. so that was cool. It's awesome. It, it's growth and awesomeness. That's all God. Not Nothing to do with me. Just I 
got to be part of a, uh, of a cool starting thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the your question about SEAL Team. So I went to college on a Naval ROTC scholarship. So while I'm going through engineering school and, and wrestling there, I'm also being trained as a Naval officer. And part of ROTC is you experience all the different parts of the Navy because you are about to commission as a Naval officer to pay back for your college. And I spent one day out in San Diego where Bud's SEAL training is during my ROTC training. And I decided that, you know, college wrestler Jeff, this fit who I was more than anything else in the Navy. So I competed for a slot and, you know, God honored that. And I got an officer slot to Bud, survived and became one. Spent five years as a SEAL team member and nearly died for our country in that mission. 2003, but miraculously recovered and spent two more years as a SEAL team member. And then God called me to the chaplain corps. So I left the SEAL team and switched over to the uh, chaplain corps in the Navy and then moved from the uh, Navy to the Army, which I'm still serving as an Army National Guard chaplain. Wow. Um, but you, I digress. You were really asking about the uh, SEAL team years. So uh, five years I was a SEAL team member. So, you know, what does that mean? That's the water department of our special operations and we've had the opportunity to be in like 20 countries and deployed five times it's a it's a hard life i also had the opportunity to serve with some some incredible men and again god so orchestrated it that my time frame in the teams was concurrent with some household names well thanks to hollywood uh marcus latrell is still my friend the uh lone survivor if you know that movie Mm -hmm. um chris kyle was my friend we came in together uh if you know that movie the american sniper wow Um, so those were you know guys i served with and it was you know my same you know time frame there well, tell us a little bit how you became a, a chaplain. How did that opportunity come about? And maybe talk about what it's like to serve as a chaplain. Sure. Well, how that that came about, you know, I didn't grow up in a in a ministry family, though I came to Christ at a pretty young age and grew in my faith for a long time. I had no feelings that, of, that God was pulling me towards ministry. Uh, of any flavor, um, you know, as I you know grew up in my faith. But there, around 2005, through some a combination of advice inside the platoon from some pretty non-heathen, from some pretty non-Christian heathen <laughs> advice, and I want to say, he, I mean, like heathen of the year level. Uh, uh, heathen type of advice, and uh, <laughs> but also some of the same advice from some folks in my in my Sunday school of the church where I was a member, you know, there in Virginia Beach, you know, where I was stationed. Same advice, but I wasn't really listening to that. I had total blinders on because it was only two years before that I'd come through this very near death event over in the Middle East. And not only did I live, I fought back to full health and full SEAL team duty. And it was quite a journey. It, it was a 
huge trial and journey Mm -hmm. and i finally got back to full duty and so now i'm back in the saddle so which is what i'm focused on and therefore not listening when god was clearly speaking through some people around me (laughs) used sunday school leader used a total (laughs) non-christian same kind of uh kind of advice to me dumb jeff not listening (laughs) so when you say advice you say in these people were saying, hey, I'm seeing some things in you, that well, kind of thing? Or I mentioned, uh, have you maybe you ever thought about the chaplain corps? Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I was focused because right. I was, you know, back in, back in the saddle. And so that had gone on for a couple of months, this advice that I wasn't listening to. And I was at a church, let's see, we were training at Fort Knox, and I was at a civilian church off post on a Sunday, and I was the only Christian in, in my platoon, so that was fairly typical uh, on a Sunday that I could, you know, get away from where we're doing whatever we're doing and, you know, find a place to worship. And so I did. And afterwards, the the pastor at this small church uh, came up to me and said, hey, you're, you're new around here. Uh, just want to come over and say hi and uh you know, we just exchange pleasantries, and he looks at me. He says, "You know, I've been thinking about the military. I've been thinking about the chaplain, the chaplain corps. Do you know anything about that?" Oh, wow. And it was right there that God, like, it was like it turned the light on. He like he slapped me upside the head. Hmm. He's like, "Look, I sent people to talk to you. I even sent the chief, and you know he don't know me. <laughs> and you, uh." You know, suddenly it was like illumination that God had been trying to talk to me through some people over months, and I was totally blind. But it was right there that it was a uh, like that it was clear. I've got a wow. different mission for you, wow. uh, and so so clear was it. I, you know, I, I went. That's awesome. Uh, and then you followed up about you know what's it like to uh, you know to be a chaplain. So chaplains are we are the guarantors of religious freedom in the uniform services that's the the biggest definition of a military chaplain but you do everything that pastors do but you have a, a mobile flock um, and it's it's got to plus and minuses there one you don't see your folk as much as well if you're an active duty chaplain you see your folk all the time so that's more concurrent but in the reserve components, you know, it's it's a little tougher to build those relationships than the civilian church. Um, on a positive note, you have the advantage of you're part of your flock. Hmm. So the job that they do in uniform, you are doing also yeah. as a service member. So that builds relationship. You know, ministry built on relationship. Um, yeah, so the, the chaplain ministry... You minister according to who ordains you, and that's that's the box that you live within. So you're not allowed to do things of other denominations, so on and so mm. forth. That's a, a lot of a misconception of a lot of folks about the chaplaincy. It's you minister to everyone. I mean, everyone is your flock that's in your unit, but you know who ordains you. That's how that you do ministry. Um, so that's sort of the, um, 
you know, the Army chaplain motto is forgotten country. I mean, just, just like other ministry, you're um, writing messages, you're preaching to soldiers, and pastoral care. You know, folks die, folks get sick. You know, funerals need to be done. Folks think they're ready to get married. <laughs> you counsel them. Maybe they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know how that goes. Uh, but anyway, it's it's ministry, but, you know, in uniform. Wow. So you're just doing a lot of pastoral things. That's, that's really what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about counseling? Does that involve a lot of counseling? A lot of counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that's so. a big uh, you know, part, of the, part of the chapel ministry. Um, yeah, you're, you're the first stop for you know, most service members that have something going on that's in the counseling, anything. <laughs> right. I don't know how up uh, with time. I know you got other questions. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, I would invite you to sh- share any, like, stories that you have there and then just kind of, you know, transition to how you joined uh, Concord. Well... Since you asked, I'll tell you my my favorite chaplain story. So I was deployed to Iraq in 2009 and 10, and I was the post chaplain in Mosul. Y'all probably know it better as Nineveh. That's what it was before it was Mosul. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we had a giant, huge base there with 10,000 service members and multinational, you know, I mean, other countries and in all branches, it was kind of a big operation. And I was the post-chaplain there, so kind of a lot of responsibility. But also I had my flock, the unit that I deployed there with, so that's my principal responsibility. And this soldier had come into the chapel probably a week before this event that I'm about to talk about, for, which, was also, which is very typical in a deployed scenario and in ministry it's relationship counseling marital problems marriages that are having struggles typically don't those things don't get better when you go to war for months or years so this soldier had come in to to talk to the chaplain and as is also fairly typical it doesn't take long before things lead to things of faith and the soldier wasn't a Christian at the time, and eventually I communicated the gospel with him in this counseling, you know, marital counseling, and I could tell that the Holy Spirit was was working on him. He he was drinking in God's truth. You know, it was it was sinking soul deep. You know, the whole time we were talking, and after we finished. Um, the last counseling before this event I'm about to tell you about, I asked him, I said, hey, you know the truth. I can tell that you know the truth now. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, would you like to would you like me to pray with you to accept Christ? And he's like, you know, chaplain, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's just my time yet. And I said, you know what, that's fine. And you don't have to do it with me. It's a, this is a conversation with you and God. But when you have that talk, and I know you, kn- you know now, uh, do a... Do me a favor, you know, whether it's tomorrow or ten years from now. Let your old chaplain, let your old chaplain know. About a week later, this soldier was in a convoy coming back into Mosul, which is in northern Iraq, in the middle of the day, and 
there was an IED. This is a picture of what evil looks like. Mm-hmm. A little girl, maybe 10 years old, walks out in front of the lead vehicle. She'd been given a package with a big red bow on it. The explosive was so enormous that they, I mean, there, there was there was nothing left of the of this little girl. I mean, it was absolutely vaporized. Anyway, get me all fired up. That's uh, an enemy that put children up to such a thing. Yeah, it's anyway, horrible. Anyway, yeah, easily easily get sidetracked there. <laughs> but uh, this this soldier was the turret gunner in the lead vehicle. When that happened, fortunately, I mean, obviously, an American vehicle is not going to run over a little girl. So then when they stop, you know, and she walks out in front of this big giant military vehicle and then opens up this huge, this box, which is a huge explosive. Well, he saw the flash in the box and collapsed his legs. And the turret was Swiss cheese and the vehicle was mangled. And he ended up having some partial uh, hearing damage in one ear was the long term uh, effect and everyone in there was was okay. Um, there's some more to this story about uh, you know the enemy were embedded in this big Mosul's the second biggest city in Iraq and it was in the middle of a daytime and a work day. So there's people all in the streets. They knew we weren't going to shoot into the streets. So when mm. those soldiers had to get out of that mangled vehicle to get into other vehicles, that's when they opened fire from the crowd of. Uh, anyway, <laughs> there's another interesting story that happened there, but for another time. So that vehicle's getting drugged back, uh, you know, into base, and I'd heard about it o- over the radio. And you know, as their chaplain, I'm there at the gates awaiting them as they come in, and the soldier gets out, and you know, he's all smoky and bleeding, and he runs over to me. Wait, no, that's totally not true. He was not running. Maybe I was running. <laughs> he was not running. Uh, but anyway, so I went up to him. I'm like, hey, you know, how you doing? He's like, well, chaplain, it happened. I'm like, I know. You got blown up. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, from checkpoint, whatever, wherever the uh, that explosion happened in the middle of the, of the city, to getting drugged back into base, like it happened. Me and God had that talk. I accepted Christ. I'm on one of his now. And he just hugged me, and you know, he's crying and bleeding, and, hmm. and I'm crying, and it was just it was a great moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. That is something. Just get on, you probably have several of those type of moments that you can tell us about. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, so. an, that's an incredible story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tell us, uh, you know, how did you end up here at Concord? Well, we moved back to Chattanooga. I, I lived here before once in my life. I, while I was a chaplain candidate, so you're going through military chaplain school as well as seminary and civilian ministry experience. Um, so I finished my seminary here in Chattanooga at uh, Tennessee Temple University. And I also was a chaplain for a time at uh, Erlinger. Uh, and I've also uh, been a, on pastoral staff you know, here in the city. Um, so that was my first time living in Chattanooga, but then I married a Yankee and, uh, then I took a job down in Georgia and a different job in Georgia. And then I had to have my second back surgery. So we moved back here 
for a certain surgeon about five mm-hmm. years ago. And then we you know, went through a few churches trying to find the right church. And since I had a, a seminary and ministry uh, life here in Chattanooga before, I still had some context. And so as far as, you know, church, you know, seeking and searching, that wasn't a zero quotient, though neither me or Melissa are from here. Um, so we didn't have any, like, a, you know, family tie. So as we were visiting and being parts of some churches and trying to find the right home, uh, we eventually uh, landed here at Con- Concord. Cool. Was there a relationship or just, I mean, what did it look like? Just a church search or what What made you even look at Concord, I guess? is. Do you even remember? Trying to think some. I mean, we know ultimately that the Lord is working providentially right, right. in all of those things, but how, how? Yeah, I think I think uh, Dr. Allison uh, recommended Concord, uh, who's a you know lifetime friend of mine, and but it, I'm sure it was somebody's advice, right? Uh, but there wasn't a like an already Concord member who we had a connection to. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about your time here, how you served, and how you've grown uh, being a member of this church. Let's see. Uh, I'm sad to say I had uh, you know a large opportunity of uh, of service here, though I did have some time and enjoy being part of our uh, youth department, which I helped out with the uh, the guys' youth, like junior high, high school age guys. Uh, uh, several times, <laughs> so I've uh, enjoyed that that ministry, and and I enjoy the youth ministry. I've I was a youth pastor uh, up north for a time on the civilian side, so I you know have uh, some some experience and and enjoyment and calling there. Let's see, I've been part of the um, security and greeting staff uh, at various phases. <laughs> uh, helped out with some service projects. I think that's I think that's probably the uh, yeah I think that probably, probably wraps it up. But yeah. we we should mention part of the time that you've been in your membership here, you've been deployed. Yeah. Right. So that you've had some discontinuity yes. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. How has that been challenging to you? I mean, is it? Uh, I mean, church life, family life, those kinds of things, and how have you dealt with that? Yeah, the deployments are tough. Yeah. Anybody that's been in the military or had a family member has some understanding of that. But you know, it's tough on families when you have someone in the service that has to go away because they're typically away far and for a pretty good piece of time. So it really throws a, a hitch in kind of how you do life. And it's going to be a great time to lift up my super awesome wife who – holding down the fort or here at home while I'm away serving the country and away from family. Our families are in North Carolina and Wisconsin. So, you know, we have two little wonderful little girls, Elise and Anna Victoria, and no family anywhere close. So Melissa's the real hero of this story. <laughs> That's uh, great. What's your prayer for Concord? You know, I think my... You know, 
in, internal, uh, you know, from the being part of the family now, and would be to increase growing our kind of community family feel inside our big church family, which is tough to do as churches grow into bigger, big churches to have a, you know, a communal family feel inside that we would continue to nurture that uh, as we grow, expand, start other churches, amen, Uh, you know, whatever, however God chooses to grow us, that we continue to nurture that community and and family feel uh, inside, not just lots of individuals sitting in your same pew area Mm -hmm. and, you know, don't know more than two people around you or, uh, you you know, just, and and it's tough to do. I don't have any answers, but I think that would be kind of my prayer. Amen. Uh, Awesome. Um, All right. So your top five events in the Bible that you could visit as a spectator. Well, I would have to start with, uh, you know, better sheet in the beginning. Uh, I mean, if you could spectate while heaven and earth are recreated, how incredible would that be? Yeah. Um, you know, and this is probably because I spent time there. And, you know, I may have got to preach the last service at what at that time was the oldest still standing monastery in in northern Iraq, in uh, in Mosul, St. Elijah's. They blew it up uh, after we left in 2010. But uh, that's that was Nineveh. So I would say I, I would like to be there. I would like to spectate when uh, Jonah, you know, learned the hard way mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, came up uh, on the land after he got out of the, uh, the fish's mouth mm-hmm. and... As goes the king, goes the kingdom. Hmm. Uh, you know to see that. You know, that. so that that'd be on the list. Yeah. Um, let's see. You know, the the first Christmas. I mean, unto us a child is born. Um, I'd like to be there. Ah, the upper room. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that would be wow. Good. Yeah, and incredible. then you know when, and then finally a fifth one, you know Paul, professional oppressor on the way to mm. do such a thing, meets Christ on the road. It'd be pretty cool to be a bystander there. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, those are those are great. They're good. It's hard to pick five. Is yeah, it? it is. It's, <laughs> you can just go on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good list though. Um, if you could start your own podcast, what would it be about? Just kind of a little get-to-know-you question. Well, if I was going to start a podcast, I would I would like to do something not just, oh, okay, I, mean, I really dig these kind of movies or this sport or so on and so forth. I'd like it to be something that both I enjoy but has eternal value for the kingdom. So along that line, I have a, a ministry vision that I've had for like 20 years. Uh, I've been a big part of FCA at various times in my 
athletic career and my coaching career. So I have a lot of passion for that ministry. And I've got a wrestling ministry vision that I've had for, like I said, for like 20 years. And uh, even have reached out uh, nationally with some baby steps in what the underrounding of the funding of this, you know, would be. So, like, I love the sport of wrestling. I wrestled in high school and college, and I've coached for more than a decade at high school and college across four states and and had the opportunity to both wrestle overseas and take some kids on uh, wrestling mission trips overseas as well. So something along that line that uh, conjoins the world's oldest and greatest sport with the gospel ministry, I would say something there. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That is good. Yep. Well, I, I got to say, thank you so much for for joining us and, and sharing. I really enjoyed it. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Kevin, you want to close this out in prayer? Sure will. Father, I thank you just, uh, just to be able to sit and talk with Jeff today and to hear uh, his unique story uh, that you have uh, brought him through. Uh, I thank you for how uh, you worked in his life, even as a young person, uh, through the ministry of that church, and you brought him from spiritual death to life. And then to hear just how you've worked through his college years, uh, through his Navy SEAL years, through his chaplaincy, and to hear what you're doing uh, in his family life, Lord, and continue to, uh, to use him. Uh, I pray that you would continue to... To, uh, to strengthen Jeff as a, as a father, as a husband, as a chaplain, and give him direction as he makes decisions about his future. Thank you that you brought them to Concord and for how they serve here and how they pour into the lives of, of people here um, in very structured ways and then in just uh, church family ways, Lord. And I, I hear Jeff's heart for that today, and I, uh, I share that with him. I pray that we would grow uh, in our intimacy with one another here at Concord. And that's all uh, a work of your grace. And so we praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are encouraged. If you were, share this with somebody you know, and make sure to share your story as well. And we'll see you on the next episode.